Okay, are, are we ready? Very good. I never dreamed that we could have a uh, training like this, a live training in so many places. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, Myanmar, so many different time zones, so many different places. And I'm here in Seattle. It's um, four o'clock in the afternoon here, but it's a different day. It's Friday here. (laughs) How about that? Isn't that amazing? Well, I'm very happy to see all of you, my sisters. It's what a blessing. Um, I wish we could come together, but this is really, really wonderful. Um, You know, recently we had the semi-annual training on Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. And as we were going through those books, I got very deeply impressed how much these three books emphasize the function of the sisters. And then I remembered the previous training We had Proverbs 31, which is also on the function of the sisters. So I sent a message to Brother Ray right in the middle of the training. I I said, Ray, I think we need to cover Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and Proverbs in the sisters training. He felt good about it, and... I believe the Lord led us to do this. Last night, you had the, the fellowship concerning Rahab, who was the first prominent uh, sister mentioned in these books. But I just mentioned, you know, you have Deborah, and then along with Deborah, you have Jael. And then there's Ruth. And along with Ruth, you have Naomi. And then, of course, Proverbs 31 talks about a worthy woman for God's economy. We hope that we can look at all of this from the viewpoint of God's economy. You know, one of the reasons this subject, forgive me for speaking plainly, one of the reasons this subject can be a little difficult or a little touchy is that we might look at it in a natural way. In fact, a lot of people who read the Bible, especially Paul's epistles, they say, ah, Paul is a chauvinist He's, he doesn't respect women. If you read the Bible in a natural way, you're going to have a lot of difficulties. And even as we go through the messages this weekend, and in particular, this next one, 
we need the Lord's mercy that we can drop all of our natural thought and not read it in a natural way, but read it wearing wearing the glasses of God's economy. If we can wear those glasses, we'll see it in a different way. Now, before I get into this, I'd just like to mention, especially uh, I know uh, because we have people from so many places, maybe not all of the sisters realize that in the history of the Lord's recovery in the last 100 years, there have been some sisters who played a very prominent role. Did you know that? Maybe you thought, well, it was just Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Well, of course, in the function of ministry, it was those two brothers. But I like to tell you, just quickly, Watchman Nee was saved through the gospel preaching of a sister, a sister named Dora Yu. And Witness Lee was also saved through the gospel preaching of a sister named Peace Wong. How about that, sisters? Maybe you are not the minister of the age, but maybe you will preach the gospel to the minister of the age. Or you will preach the gospel to a brother who will become useful in the ministry. Then I think you all, or most of you know, that Watchman Nee was perfected by a sister, Sister Margaret Barber. We call, sometimes we call her M.E. Barber. And then I like to tell you, there are at least, there's more, but there's at least four sisters who wrote books which were very influential to both Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. I, 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 I also have those books. Uh, one was Jesse Penn Lewis, who was in Wales during the time of the Welsh Revival. Another is uh, Sister Ruth Paxson. Ruth Paxson wrote a book called Life on the Highest Plane. And actually, that book, which I have here in my library, is the basis for the experience of life. Did you know that? And then, of course, there's uh, Madame Dion, who influenced both of our brothers. Um, Listen to this. Madame Guyon wrote a book with this title, Experiencing the All-Inclusiveness of Christ. Sound familiar? It should. And then another sister, Mary McDonough. Mary McDonough wrote a book called God's Plan of Redemption. And both Brother Nee and Brother Lee appreciated that book so much because Mary McDonough 
was the one who made the diagram of the tripartite man. And, you know, that book was out of print for many years. But Living Stream actually purchased the rights to print that book. Now you can buy that book from Living Stream. I have it here. Well, I'm just saying this to make an initial point, which is we have been accused um, that the sisters are not prominent enough. That's the influence of the age. If you you really want to... uh, see a place where the sisters are not prominent enough, go to the brethren. You know, the brethren assemblies here where I live, they do not allow a sister to pray in a meeting. But I just heard all of your prayers. What kind of meeting would we have if the sisters didn't pray? And they also don't allow a sister to prophesy. What kind of prophesying meeting would we have if the sisters didn't prophesy? More than 50% of the saints are sisters. So what is that? That's the attack of the enemy on the function of the members of the body of Christ. That's why we're burdened to have a sister's training, because you outnumber us. We need you. There's, there's, there's more sisters than brothers, and we, we spend time perfecting the brothers. We ought to spend time perfecting the sisters as well. Now, in this message and the next one, we're going to cover the pattern of Deborah from Judges chapter 4 and 5, and Of course, we couldn't take the time to read those two chapters in their entirety, so we we selected a few verses. But I hope maybe this weekend, while we're together, you could take the time to read those two chapters. They're not very long. Uh, And in this first message concerning Deborah, There's a word that bothers a lot of people. I want to just put it out there in the very beginning. And that is the word submission. Submission. And, you know, this is totally against the thought of the present age that a woman should submit to a man, it's considered by this generation, it's considered discriminatory, it's considered uh, terrible. But it's a divine thought, and it's a divine ordination. And this is what we need to understand. And I hope as we get into it, you'll realize that the view of this age is wrong. You know, I have two grown daughters. They're both married. And um, one of them, 
one of them before she got married, she and her uh, uh, fiance, the brother she married, they came to fellowship with me and I talked to them about the, the matter of marriage. And I mentioned this matter of submission. And my own daughter had a reaction. She said, wait a minute. Why do I have to submit? Because she grew up in this age, this environment, and she picked up that wrong thought. Oh, my sisters, we need to be washed in the water in the word. We need to have our mind renewed with the divine thought. Otherwise, the enemy will cheat us. The enemy will cheat us from our real organic function in the body of Christ. Okay, let me come now to this outline. It's not very long. We'll have plenty of time to finish it. The first point says the book of Judges shows that Israel had offended God by rejecting him as their king. It is a great wickedness, a great evil in the sight of God. If we reject him as our king, our Lord, our head, and our husband. You know, actually, all of us with the Lord, all of us are the female. He's the real male. All of us need to take him as our head and our husband, all of us must practice submission to him. That includes the brothers. That includes the brothers. And Israel, as God's people, had seriously offended God because they asked for a king. They said, all the nations have kings. How come we don't have a king? We want a king too. Well, when they rejected him as their king, they also rejected him as the Lord, as their head, and as their husband. You know, in Exodus 21, it uses the the illustration of marriage in, in our, to describe not just there, but other places including Ephesians 5, it uses the illustration of human marriage to describe our relationship with the Lord. We are married to him. When we get regenerated, we are joined to the Lord. That joining, it's a marriage. We're married to Christ, which means he's our Head. He's our husband. And if we reject him as our head and our husband, he will be he will be deeply offended. And this is the story actually of quite a few books in the Old Testament, not just judges, but certainly with judges. Now, uh, point two says God raised up. Deborah, 
as a judge of Israel. Wow. You know, in the book of Judges, there are seven different cycles it's with seven different judges. All of them are male except one, and that's Deborah. So let's consider why that would be the case. God raised up Deborah as a judge of Israel who practiced the female submission to the man in order to keep God's ordination and bring all of Israel into a proper order under God's kingship and headship. Okay, here I'd like to say something. Um, Okay, let me just read point A, and then, and then I'll, I'll go on. At the time of Judges chapter 4, the men of Israel had failed in their God-ordained function of leadership. This forced God to do something extraordinary and unusual in raising up a female, Deborah, as a judge of Israel. The raising up of such a female changed the entire condition of Israel. I know, sisters, I know sometimes in the church life, sometimes in the family life, sometimes in the marriage life, the men fail in their God-ordained function. It happens. It happens. Now the question becomes, what should you do and how should you do it? And here's where we need to follow the pattern of Deborah. You know what Deborah did? Let me just say it in summary, and then we'll get into the details. She brought... Barak into his God-ordained function. She was clear that Barak needed to fight. Barak was not clear. And, but Deborah didn't fight in his place. She didn't replace Barak. No, she submitted to Barak and in a very wise way brought Barak back to his God-ordained function. Oh, sisters, this takes a lot of wisdom. I hope the Lord would give you this wisdom. If your husband fails, if the elders fail, if, if the men fail, we don't replace them. We help recover their function. And the way we recover their function is actually to submit to them despite the fact that you're clear and they're not. You know, it impressed me when I read this section of Judges, both with Deborah and with Jael. We didn't read the verses on Jael. But both with Deborah and with Jael, it specifically mentions that they were married. And it even gives us the names of their husbands. Why? Because Deborah lived a life of submission. She knew what it was to submit. 
she had a husband and and we even know his name so obviously her husband was not clear about the situation in Israel and Barak who should have taken the lead was not clear what did Deborah do condemn them gossip about them talk to other people about them replace their function none of the above none of the above i have no doubt although it's not recorded in judges i have no doubt deborah prayed very much for barak before she approached him i bet she prayed a lot that the lord would bring him into his god ordained function then she approached him and encouraged him to fight the battle and we read the verses so interesting to me let's talk a little bit about the story and then i'll come back to the outline here's the situation sisera who was the captain of the army of the king of the Canaanites was attacking Israel and the men of Israel weren't fighting they weren't fighting which means that Israel's going to be completely destroyed Deborah saw the situation so she goes to Barak and says Barak you need to fight you need to fight because Sisera is out there and you know this is quite interesting to me let me read you this verse it's uh okay so we read that she sent she sent for Barak she told Barak he needs to fight then she says uh, uh Barak said to her uh I'll go but you have to go with me she said all right I'll go with you then she says this however there will be no glory for you on the journey you are taking for Jehovah will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman how about that and that woman is jail not Deborah jail So then it says Deborah rose up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Well, here's the situation. Uh Barak went to fight and he absolutely destroyed Sisera's army, completely destroyed it. Because God was doing that, he just didn't know it. He needed Deborah to tell him that God was doing that. So he did. He destroyed it. In fact, it says not one person survived. The only one who escaped was Sisera. He's the only one. So Sisera is running away from Barak. Now let me read a little. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael. the wife of Heber the Kenite again it mentions her husband even his name 
For there had been peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera. And she said to him, turn here, my lord, turn here to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned to her into her tent, and she covered him with a rug. She took, she took the captain of the army into her tent and covered him. And he said, please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And instead of water, she gave him milk. She opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink, and she covered him. Maybe she gave him milk to make him sleepy. I don't know. And he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent. And if anyone comes and asks you, saying, is there a man here? You shall say no. Listen to this. Then Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and put a hammer in her hand and went quietly to him. And she drove the peg into his temple and it pierced through to the ground for he was sound asleep and exhausted and he died. Wow. What a woman. (laughs) She was a warrior. She was a warrior. God delivered Sisera into the hands of a housewife. (laughs) This shows it was God's doing. And by the way, a little, don't get distracted by this, but a little, a little side point. You know, the Hebrew names, Hebrew names often are names of animals. Not all of them, but some of them, like lion and bear. The name Deborah means bee, like a stinging bee. That's not to sting your husband. It's to sting Sisera, okay? It's to sting the devil. And the name Jael means mountain goat. Ah, That's one tough sister. She could take on Sisera. Okay, Uh, let's go on now to um, back to the outline. Um, The men were not fulfilling their function. This will happen. It does happen. It happened in history and it will happen again. I have seen situations like this. How should the sisters respond? Here's a good pattern. Here's a good pattern. Okay. Uh, B, the children of Israel cried out to Jehovah. And Deborah, a prophetess, was raised up as a judge in Israel. Sisters can be prophets. Sisters can prophesy. Uh, she would sit under the palm of Deborah, and the children of Israel went up to her for judgment. I mean, she became a judge. 
uh, it's extraordinary. She's the only one. All the other judges were not females. Now, here's a key point. In the Bible, a proper female indicates one who is in submission. It doesn't say in submission to man. It says who is in submission to God. Did you know, sisters, when you submit to the proper male, you're actually not submitting to him. You're submitting to God. Your submission to your husband, your submission to the elders, your submission to uh, 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 man is actually your submission to God. It actually, that's how God looks at it. Because you're keeping God's ordination. And what is God's ordination? God's ordination is the unique head in the entire universe is God. And Christ is under God. Christ always submits to God. Even Christ is not the top authority. No, the Father God is the top authority. And within the Godhead, Christ the Son lives a life of total submission to God the Father. And you can see that in his human living on the earth. It was a life of total submission. He said, every word I speak to you, it's not my words. It's my father's words. All the works I do, they're not mine. They're the father's. I do not seek my own will. I seek my father's will. I do not seek my own glory. I seek the glory of him who sent me. What is that? And then the ultimate submission in Gethsemane. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The son lives a life of absolute submission to the father. So, and then man must submit to Christ. And under God's ordination, the sisters also submit to Christ, but their submission to Christ is through the man. By submitting to the man, they are submitting to Christ. I hope we can see this. This is God's ordination for the headship in the universe. And Deborah kept that. She kept it even though she was much more clear than her own husband and Barak, she maintained that ordination of headship. And guess what happened? The whole nation got headed up. So let me read you from chapter five, uh, what the result was. You know, after Sisera was defeated, you have Judges chapter five. Judges chapter 5 is Deborah's song of victory. It says, <laughs> it says it's the song of Deborah and Barak. Actually, it's the song of Deborah, but she included Barak. And 
listen to what she said, that the leaders took the lead in Israel. Did they? Only when she came, did they? Without her, they would not have taken the lead. But because of the way she brought Barak into function, she said, the leaders took the lead. The people offered themselves. Bless Jehovah. In other words, the whole nation was brought into order. The whole nation was brought under the proper headship through the sister. Because she did it in such a wise way. I'm amazed by this. Okay, let me uh, read on. In the Bible, a proper female indicates one who is in submission to God, one who keeps God's ordination. This is the position that Israel should have taken. See, we come back to the nation, the nation of Israel, typifying the church. The church is the wife Christ is the head. Christ is the husband. Israel should have done this. They should have taken the position before God that God is her king, her Lord, her head, and her husband. But Israel violated God's ordination, leaving her position as God's wife and forsaking him for hundreds of idols. This brought Israel into a miserable situation and condition. Really so. But Deborah rescued them from that by her wise uh, function. Now here's a contrast. Here's a contrast. Samson was a Nazarite from his mother's womb for the full course of his life. The Nazarite was to let his hair grow long, signifying that he was to remain in subjection to the Lord's headship, wherein is power. You know, when you read um, 1 Corinthians 11, and it talks about the headship, it, it says, among other things, it says that the long hair of a woman is a kind of head covering. Whether you wear a um, piece of cloth on your head or not, even your long hair is considered a covering for your head. But the same chapter says that a man should not have long hair because a man's head should not be covered because man represents Christ in the function of headship. But listen, sisters, the sisters also represent Christ in the function of submission. You see, Christ is the head of man, but he submits absolutely to God the Father. So men typify or signify Christ in the matter of headship. So they should not cover their head and they should not have long hair. 
But the sisters signify Christ in the in his submission. So they have long hair to cover their head, and they may also wear a covering on top of their head. So here with, with the Nazarite, uh, Samson, he grew his hair long because in the Nazarite vow, the... Um, the point of not cutting his hair is to show he's living under headship. He's subjecting himself to God's headship. And we all know the story of Samson. That was the secret of his power, not his hair. His hair was not the secret of his power. His subjection to God was the secret of his power. I hope we could all realize that. Well, two says, but Delilah pressed him with her words every day. Sisters, be a Deborah. Don't be a Delilah. We don't need any Delilahs. We only need Deborahs. If you have a daughter, don't name her Delilah. Name her Deborah. Delilah pressed him with her words every day and urged him to tell her the secret of his power until his soul was tired unto death. Because of Satan's wearing out tactics, Samson fell into Satan's snare. His hair was shaved by Delilah. He was captured by the Philistines, losing his Nazarite consecration, his power, his testimony of sanctification, and God's presence. Not only did Delilah herself not submit to Samson, she seduced him not to submit. Forgive me, my sisters, I've known sisters like this. They wore out their husband's consecration. He would have have been consecrated. He was consecrated. But because she was not, she wore out his consecration. And it works the other way, too. I know that. But today we're talking about Delilah. Delilah did that with Samson. And... Look at the contrast. Deborah helped Barak be consecrated. Delilah kept Samson from being consecrated. Isn't it striking? Okay, number three. Those who accept the different and wrong teaching that the believers should not submit to deputy authorities appointed by God will be spoiled by this teaching. Have you heard such a teaching? I have. I've heard it for years, and I heard it just recently. Just recently, someone has been speaking this, that you don't submit to deputy authorities appointed by God. You just submit to God. Well, that's not the divine concept. 
let me prove it to you because we have time. I just want to read you a little bit here from Romans chapter 13. Because we live in an age where people do not submit to authority. One of the characteristics of the present age is don't submit to authority. I won't talk about where you live. I'll just talk about where I live. We have a presidential election. People say, no, I don't submit to the president. Then we have another presidential election. A new president is elected and people say, no, no, I don't submit to the president. I don't submit to police. Forget the police. I don't have to listen to the police. That's the United States today. Let me read you uh, from Romans 13, beginning with verse 1. Let every person be subject to the authorities over him, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are ordained by God. So then he who resists the authority opposes God's ordination. And those who oppose will receive judgment to themselves. For the rulers are not a terror to the good work, but to the evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from him. For he is a servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, fear For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger for wrath to him who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be subject, not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's officers attending constantly to this very thing, render to all the things due, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Who's he talking about? He's actually talking about the secular authority. The secular authority. He's saying even the secular authority is appointed by God. If you rebel against the government, you rebel against the secular authority, God even considers that a rebellion against him. Even the more within the church, the body of Christ, if we fail to submit to the headship in the body of Christ, we broke God's ordination and we actually failed to submit to God himself. Okay, let me continue. Those who accept the different and wrong teaching that the believers should not submit to deputy authorities appointed by God will be spoiled by this teaching. With us, especially the married sisters, there should be a submissive spirit, 
standing, atmosphere, and intention. If you are such a person, there will be a great blessing for you and for your future. Amen. Now let's go on to point D. By reading Deborah's song in Judges 5, we can see that she was full of ability, capacity, insight, and foresight. You know, it's possible. Sometimes the sisters, brothers in these things. Sorry, my Zoom went out temporarily. Can you hear me again? Yes. Okay, sorry. I don't know what happened. Uh, let, me, let me go back to the point. Um, by reading Deborah's song in Judges 5, we can see that she was full of ability, capacity, insight, and foresight. But such an excellent and capable person was very submissive. God made her the leader, yet she kept the proper order and took Barak as her covering. You know, it appears, and I think it's true. I think she was more capable than Barak. Sometimes that happens. The sisters are more capable. It does happen. And even if that's the case, Just like Romans 13, it doesn't say you have to submit to the authority if the authority is proper, or you have to submit to the authority if the authority is good. No, you just have to submit to the authority because that's the authority. And that includes everybody, not just the sisters. Well, in in like manner, the sisters need to submit to the brothers even when the sisters are more capable and have more insight, and have more more foresight. Okay, E says, when this excellent, extraordinary woman took the lead to practice the female submission to the man, the entire country came into an excellent and proper order. All the leaders took the lead. All the people followed, and the army was formed. Everyone returned to his or her proper position before Jehovah. How about that? Her submission to Barak actually put the whole country back in order. Let's apply this to a local church. If a sister does not submit to her husband or to the elders or to the male headship, it doesn't only affect her. It affects the whole church because the order has been, the God-ordained order has been upset. But in the, on the positive side, When you submit to your husband, you submit to the elders, you submit to the male headship, you actually put the whole church in order. 
So the sisters, you have a big responsibility. You can do something the brothers can't do. Now, F is a very striking point. Um, and it's a quote. It says, the first and greatest function of the sisters in the church life is to be submissive. I don't think without this outline, any of, any of us would say that. If I had begun this message and I had asked a question, dear sisters, what's the first and greatest function of the sisters in the church life? What would you have said? Oh, yes, Brother Mark, it's to be submissive. I don't think so. I don't think so. But here it is. If the sisters can learn this lesson, the church will be strong, enriched, and renewed. I just repeat a point I mentioned. Christ is both the head of man and he is submissive to God. So in this respect, there's the headship of Christ and there's also the submission of Christ. The brothers in their function signify Christ in his headship. The sisters in their function signify Christ in his submission. They're both Christ. They're both Christ. Here, let me say another brief word, because it has sometimes confused people, and I think it's a good time to bring it up. Um, you know, uh, sorry, give me just a second here. Okay. Because I've, 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 I've encountered this many times with the sisters. Galatians 3.28 says, There cannot be Jew nor Greek. There cannot be slave nor free man. There cannot be male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So according to this verse, there's no distinction. And, and some of the sisters quote this verse and say, in Christ, there's no difference between a male and a female. Well, let me tell you this. If we go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says that in the church, in the body, there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks or between slaves and free. But it does not mention males and females. So how are we to understand these two verses? Well, I would say it this way, sisters. In life, in life, there is no distinction. We're all born of God. 
We are all regenerated. We all have God's life and nature. So in life, there's no distinction. That's why in the Bible, even the sisters are called sons of God. Why? Because in life, we're the same. Why in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, is there a difference? Because in function, we're different. In life, we're the same. But in function, we're different. Look at the human life. The human life is always the best picture of the divine life. In life, every one of us is a human being. Whether you're a male or a female, you're a human being. There's no difference in life. We're all humans. How about function? Quite different. Quite different. The function of a male human being and the function of a female human being are very different, even though their life is the same. This is a very good picture of the divine life, the spiritual life, and the church life. In life, we're identical. Nobody's above anybody. We're the same. In function, we're different. It doesn't mean one is higher, one is lower, one is better, one is worse. No, it's different. It's different. Men in the human life, men don't have babies. I'm kind of glad about that. But men do produce babies. It's just we have different functions in the human life, and we have different functions in the divine life. But please don't ever look at it as higher or lower. It's just different. I'm not higher than my wife. Probably she's much higher than me. We just have different functions. That's all. One time I was in a uh, church meeting in a particular place. I don't like to tell you where. And, you know, sometimes when we sing the hymns in a church meeting, we'll say, okay, brothers, sing stanza one. And the sisters sing stanza two. And then we'll all sing together on stanza three. So all the brothers stood up to sing the first stanza. And a sister stood up with the brothers. And then at the end of the song, she quotes Galatians 3.28. Well, in Christ, there's no male or female. It was very ugly. It was very unseemly. It troubled every single saint in that meeting. Why? It's a misapplication for one thing. So please pick up this point that of life and function, life and function. Okay, I need to go on. I, I, I like these last few points. These are life points. I hope you can pick them up. What is... How, how can a person submit? Uh, this is not limited to the sisters. How can anyone submit? How can we do that? To be submissive requires, number one, a supply of life 
We don't have a submissive life. We have a rebellious life. You know, Christ's life is a submissive life. Satan's life and nature is rebellious. Satan invented rebellion. When man fell, the rebellious life got into him. We all have it. I have it. You have it. So to be submissive requires the supply of the divine life. Not only so, it needs the enjoyment of grace. I think all of you can testify. If you're enjoying grace, you can submit. If you're not, you can't. Me too. But there's two more things. It needs the working of the cross. Why? Because we have that rebellious nature, which we got from the fall. We need the cross to cross that out and the denial of the self. I like this point. Here's four things. Look how balanced this is. On the positive side, we need the supply of life and the enjoyment of grace. That's right. We also need the working of the cross and the denial of the self. I hope some of you can testify concerning this point, because in my experience, even as a brother, I need all four of these. I can't submit without these. Now, point two is wonderful. Those who are filled with Christ are filled with submission. Amen. This is why we sang 474, hymn 474. All of thy complete obedience is available to me. Those who are filled with Christ are filled with submission. The Lord, who was submissive throughout his life, has given us his life of submission and obedience. That's really so. Now, the last point, for a sister, this is what I told my daughter, for a sister to marry a brother means that she is willing to offer herself up and say, I am willing to submit. If a sister has never intended in her heart to submit to the one she intends to marry, better not marry him. Because it requires submission. Well, I hope this brief word would be helpful to you. I hope the Lord would renew our mind concerning this matter of submission. Submission is a glory. Submission is to be, is to live Christ. Submission is to express Christ. Submission is godly. Submission is Christly. Can we, can we pick up this thought? And everybody needs to submit. The brothers need to submit and the sisters need to submit. But our submission is in a slightly different form. That's all. Because although we are the same in life, we're not quite the same in function. Okay, I uh, will stop my speaking here because I'd love to hear from some of you. The brothers will tell us what to do.